Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stoner. Hope you guys are doing well. A little update. I'm getting ready to go on a, uh, by the time this airs, I'll be in the middle of Route 66 on a motorcycle ride with some friends of mine from France. They really wanted to do Route 66. I told them I'd be their tour guide. And so in the, at the end of September through the middle of October, we're doing the epic American motorcycle ride. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to bring my podcasting stuff and do some shows from the road. If not, I'll catch up when I get off the trip. So thank you for joining us uh, today. I have my good friend and consultant Chuck Roydhouse with the Roydhouse Effect. He is going to talk to us about a lot of the things he's seen in business also setting your kind of playing off of uh, an interview I had recently with Garnet DeCosimo about, you know, setting your business up for sale because Chuck has that experience and uh, what you need to do. Because even if you don't think you're ready to sell your business, you kind of always need to be prepping the business uh, in that case so that if something happens, a big offer comes along or while you're building your business, it's getting more valuable doing the right thing. So with that, let me bring on Chuck Roydhouse. Hey, Chuck. Hey, how you doing, Mark? I'm good, buddy. Good to see you. How's the Tennessee living for you? Man, I'm telling you, there is nothing better than living in the free land of Tennessee and especially in Nashville. It is absolutely great. Yeah, it, it really, I, you know, I'm from Indiana myself and I moved here from uh, from California a long time ago. And at first I'm like, man, these people are kind of slow and kind of behind the times. And man, it didn't take me long to realize, no, actually they got it figured out. They do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Southern hospitality is real. It does feel like you have a little more freedom and and people are, people want to trust you first and they're nice right off the bat. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I've always enjoyed it. So I'm glad you're, uh, I'm glad you're a transplant. You know that, you know what they call you here though, right? Well, as long as it's not Yankee, I'm okay because Maryland well, <laughs> below the the Mason Dixon line. Well, that's right. You weren't ever a Yankee, but <laughs> in our world, anything above Kentucky is kind of a Yankee. But <laughs> you know, they call them damn Yankees. Like you're not a Yankee, but they say damn Yankee because you move here and stay. But yeah. uh, there's so many people moving here now. Most people realize we want everybody to move here. Just don't try to change us. Please yeah. assimilate in. Please understand what we got. You moved here to do that. Don't try to change it. So that's uh, that's a good thing. So let's talk about, you know, what you do. So for those who don't know, can you give us a, you know, just tell us what, what the Roy House Effect does and kind of what you specialize in? Sure. Well, um, I started a consulting business about uh, five or six years ago, and our main focus is making businesses profitable and organized. Uh, We do that by creating systems, uh, budgets, and helping you figure out what your goals are to set a pricing formula. So for whatever your services are, um, you're able to charge the correct amount do it with systems in place to realize whatever that end goal is going to be. Um, everybody's got a different goal. 
Um, you know, most people will tell you they want to grow and there's nothing wrong with growing. Um, there are people that are satisfied at whatever level they're at and that's okay too. My biggest point is when I interview people and talk to them is I really want to know where do they see themselves, you know, in two or three years, five years, 10 years, depending on, you know, their seasonality of, you know, their business or where they're at, you know, as far as their age demographics, you know, somebody that's 35 is totally different than somebody that's 55 as far as probably what their goals are. So that's the thing I try to hone in and, come up with a plan that is understandable for what I call a civilian, you know, because unfortunately, um, you know, we're not business people typically in the trade industry. Right. We're guys that were very good technicians and we decided we could do this on our own or we just got tired of taking orders from somebody else or we had a little bit more wherewithal than somebody and we started our own gig. And there again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, right. I also use the example. I said, you know, never feel slighted or, you know, uneducated because you don't understand finances or business functions or marketing because you didn't get educated in that. Just like a physician, and we all put doctors still on a pedestal, um, they went to school to get a certain practice and you know, whatever that might be. It might be cardiac surgery, it might be a general practice, whatever. But they are a business person, and if they don't understand how to do their collections, their billing, the insurance codes, then they won't stay in business, and therefore they're not relevant. So if their goal was to really have a profession to help people and deliver a service that was of value, they're not going to accomplish it if they don't know how to run their business. So they hire somebody to run their business section that knows the different billing codes for the insurance company and Medicare, et cetera, et cetera. So a practitioner, which is kind of what I am, is no different. So you should never feel slighted or in a position to where you got to come hat in hand. Um, I have people that help me. That's how I learned, Um, you know, so it's no different. You know, um, I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, Jeremy Maynard, shout out to him, you know, and I was talking, we were talking about, you know, our technicians doing all the paperwork, right. Doing all the pictures, right. Doing all the things right on a service. And, you know, I said, you know, one of the things we have to realize too, a lot of the guys who got into blue collar work, the reason in blue collar works because they didn't like the white collar study didn't like the paperwork they like didn't like the books and and that side of things therefore you know us expecting them to know it uh is probably not necessarily the right thing we have to set up systems that make it easier for them but also as the owner we're wired that way too we're wired to do we're wired to figure out we're wired to problem solve we're not wired to get into the financial statement and the profit and loss mm-hmm. and the system building now, some of us have have made that transition and understand that's the next logical step. If you're ever going to get out of the field, if you're ever going to get out of the doing of the work, you have to develop systems and understand the side of it. You may not have to do it, but you better have somebody that can help you do it to put it in place. And I think that's where you come into place as our industry matures in the chimney industry, but any industry really, as it as you mature through the doing and understand I can't be doing the doing forever, I better build systems that make that possible. And so I think that's where you have 
you always were good at this, but also now you're bringing it to uh, as a consultant, showing other people how you did it. So can you give us some warning signs that a business is in trouble or a business needs your uh, your or some consultant's help? Sure. So the biggest thing is, is, you know, most people just look at what's in their checking and they think that's how much money they have. And they right. don't understand about other bills are coming in uh, and hidden threats. So the first sign that you're in trouble is when you start running out of cash, you know, <laughs> and there are so many people that will pound their chest and they'll tell you, I've got six trucks and I'm doing two point three million dollars a year. But the joke is they're three million dollars in debt. And they're never going to get out of it. And it's because they're not watching what is important. And, you know, one of the things that I think we need to realize, um, you know, and some of the points I want to talk about today is why systems um, are more important than ever and understanding this stuff. And the reason for that is we've been a little spoiled even though the economy has been in an upheaval for the last two or three years due to pandemic and all the things that came with it. And nothing I'm going to say is political. I'm I'm hopefully saying things that are going to be fact-based and it's just black and white, you know, and that's the way I deal with things. When you, when you get hit with adversity, you can't be emotional. You just need to kind of laser focus on it is what it is, whether you agree with it or not. And I just need to how to figure out how to work through it. So, you know, we all are experiencing high fuel costs, high energy costs, you know, food, shelter, everything. Yeah, materials. And then and then on top of the cost, even if you had bushels and bushel baskets of cash, if you can't get the supplies on time, then that interrupts your production flow, which creates waste because then you can have people sitting if you don't have a plan to offset those interruptions. You know, so price has got to be the core of your strategy. Um, And I guess today what I would ask anybody, you know, on this call would be, what is your inflation game plan? Because where we were spoiled is our industry was very fortunate that as people stayed home and worked remotely, they were able to have service technicians come in. They were also banking cash. So whether that was, you know, different handouts from the government or the fact that their expenses lowered because they weren't taking vacations, they weren't traveling, they weren't even going to Jiffy Lube every three months because they weren't driving anywhere near much or their gasoline bill, even when gas was, you know, $2 a gallon, you know, two years ago, it still wasn't costing them anything. So all this influx of cash and then they start looking around and like, well, you know what, you know, I'm home. There's no reason the guy can't come in, put the new roof on or, you know, install that wood stove I've always wanted or upgrade the fireplace or build the deck or whatever needed to be done. So they were spending and the cost of borrowing money was cheap. Right. Well, it's no longer cheap. So these are all the things that are changing now. And, you know, I I read constantly. I've always read a fair amount, but I never had time until, you know, the last year or so since I sold the chimney company. Mm -hmm. And that's all I do now is read and watch financial reports. Um, One, it's always been something that interests me, but I need to do it to be ahead of the curve to kind of advise my clients on what their next strategic move is going to be. 
And everybody is telling me that this is going to last for a long time, meaning like another two or three years. And the pain has not started yet. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. So I can tell you for me personally, I mean, our business, I have people watching all the time and it for even for us and and we watch it and we're we're aware of all of our numbers all the time watching a lot of the cash flow disappear watching the profit i should say disappear mm-hmm. um we're like and it was really hard to move fast enough to stay ahead of it so now it seems to have slowed down a little bit as far as the rapid rise and you know every week i'm getting you know, letters from my suppliers, price increases every week. Mm -hmm. I see the gas going up every week, the plywood's going up and the metal, all the things that we do to, to provide service and fabrication. Um, Now that's slowed down a little bit. So now we're trying to catch up by, you know, we've raised our prices and now we're hoping we've raised them enough to not only put back the profit we lost over the, you know, the, this last period, but also bank for the future. So, can you talk about like can you talk about systems that you would put in place for companies uh, when you when you bring in and you say what are the what are most companies missing? Uh, most companies, truthfully, are flying by the seat of their pants. That's know? right. That's and, right. And they, and they never developed anything as they grew. You could have six, seven trucks and be doing a million and a half a year, and you know you're no different than when you were one or two trucks as far as what goes on. And you have people doing on-the-job training. So you know what I do is I talk to people about let's get defined job descriptions, let's get defined SOPs even if they're very simple. Um, that way we're all singing from the same hymnal and it, and it kind of streamlines. And, you know, everybody used to watch Shark Tank and they talk about, you know, scaling your business. Well, this is kind of the same thought. If you want to tighten your business and basically scale it on a micro level, you have to develop your systems of how do we answer the phone? You know, um, you know, I talk about, so I'm not, I'm financing and being profitable is my main core, but it dovetails into so many other things as far as the right marketing message, personality, sales training. Um, and I do all that. Uh, I didn't want to do sales training, but when I, you know, started this, you know, full time, the first call I made was to Alan and I said, Hey, I said, I got a lot of clients that are asking me to come and do sales training and I'm referring to you and they're saying you can't get there for 18 to 24 months. What what can I do? He goes, you know, the system as good as I do. Go train them. So, you know, on a limited basis, I'll do that. But if your employees, your technicians in the field aren't communicating the right message and understanding how to communicate with, you know, the client and the home, then you're not creating the service you need to do, because it's not really about the sales and the sense of how much you're doing per ticket. That's one way to measure it. It's about meeting the customer's need. And you do that by building trust. You know, um, the biggest thing is 
how you arrive at your price is what's called perceived value of the company. And that's based on benefits and then the pain and the cost of the customer. So your benefits are going to be your reputation and your review, um, the reduced risk for whatever reason. I'm, I'm fixing the roof. So now the roof won't leak. I have less roof of, uh, risk of roof rot, mold, or anything else that's going to go on. Um, is this going to save time by having somebody else do it? You know, a lot of people like to cut grass. They just don't have time to cut grass. So they hire somebody to do it for them. You know, I don't like to cut grass. <laughs> yeah. So and, and does it save you money in the long run? So, again, if you know what your time is value, valued at, um, you know, unless you really enjoyed it, knowing what I know about you, Mark, I would tell you, you would be absolutely crazy to be cutting grass on a Saturday. Let's you talk be- about Let's talk about that for a second, because I I think you're hitting on something that is so missed by most, you know, small to medium operators is the value of their time in realizing that just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do it. And again, you might be the best at it, but it still doesn't mean you should do it. And with a lot of, you know, people I consult with, they're such good technicians. They just keep wanting to be a better technician, yet they're a business owner. And, you know, we, they they want to get more and more training and more and more education in the technical side. And it it is detrimental to their growth because they won't learn the side they don't like, you know. Right. And so it sounds like, you know, a lot of the things that you've said, these systems, SOPs, the things this will, will not be new news to almost anybody listening, yet they don't do it, yet right. they don't have it. And, you know, Larry Wingate used to always say, hey, you know, it's OK to be ignorant and be ignorant about something where you didn't right. know and then it hits you. But once you do know about it and you do nothing about it, then that's considered stupid. He yeah. said, you can be ignorant. Don't be stupid. And so in your case where you build out, so if somebody needs standard standard operating procedures or job descriptions, all those things, what is your process? You come in, you consult with them and you, you kind of, do you find this stuff or do they hire you and say, Hey, I need these things. Do these for me. Most of the time when I've been contacted, they know they're in trouble, but they don't know what's causing the trouble. Yes. So I'll go in and I'll do a business analysis. Okay. Most of the times I can do that in one day because um, I'm all business when I show up. Um, I'm not here to really socialize. I'll, I'll give you 10 minutes. Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. So I'll give you your five or 10 minutes of we'll have coffee together and hi, how you doing? You know, nice boat. But uh, after that, uh, and, and we'll discuss this before I get there. So you're not shocked, but I'll, I'll tell you, you know, things that I want to see, what I want to look at. And, and the reason why I think it's important to go on site, even if you were to call me in and you think the only thing you need is some systems and some financial tweaking, Everything goes together. It's it's like a big cake mix. I've used this analogy a million times. You know, every little part of the ingredient that goes into the cake or the barbecue sauce is important. If any of it's left out, it won't taste right. So I need to see what do your trucks look like? What is the attitude of the employees when they come in? You know, how are the trucks laid out? What do your tools look like? What's your inventory look like? 
you know, do you have a record of what it is or, or are you overstocked in something because nobody's monitoring? So all these different things I'm going to look at. And then, you know, I will talk to whoever the key people are. If it's a real small company, it might just be the business owner and his wife or maybe uh, his key manager person. If he has somebody that's, you know, maybe a gal that's been around for five years that knows everything because she answers all the phone calls and, and everything else, or maybe it's a partner. Um, but the idea is to get the flavor of what you're living in so then I can conduct you know, an investigation. And then usually within a week to 10 days, I'll follow up with a typewritten report in very plain language. And it'll just say something to the effect, hey, we were out. You called me for this. This is, you know, what I saw. These are some other things that affect it. So here is your action plan. And I will give them bullet points of maybe 10 things, maybe 20 things, depending on how many things they're trying to do. But I will put it in a progressive order so whatever they start on is a foundation or a building block to move them to nice. the next step. That way, you know, we'll have some phone calls with follow-up. Um, typically, what will happen is if I sent this out over the weekend, uh, it would say, hey, digest this for a week, and then I'll send you an email and plan on getting with me the following week, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll get on a call. I can answer any questions. We'll go over the specifics. I'll see if you've implemented anything. And then we'll set up another call, maybe 10 days to 14 days later. And then a third call, which would end up being another two or three weeks out. And just, it's a small accountability system not to harass you, but to make sure that you did understand everything. Cause again, you go into somewhere, the guy's the king, he's the business owner, some some guy like me comes in and you're just going to nod your head like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what a profit and loss statement is. And realistically, until you get to know them a little bit, you're going to find out they don't. And then there's a way to talk to somebody so you don't make them feel bad about that. Right. You know, because, again, I didn't know until I knew. So, so yeah. we, let's just talk about that real quick. So how often do you do the initial inspection, do the initial report, find, you know, 10 problems? Every every company has 10 problems. I don't care who you are, but you got to solve these 10 problems to go to the next step and get those 10 problems. But you you deliver the report, you deliver the news, here's the steps, and they don't do it. How often does that happen? <clears throat> So far uh, in the last two years, that has really only happened one time. That's amazing. Everybody else has turned into a regular coaching client because yeah. fortunately for me, they like the message. Um, and I think it's because they saw the value um, that in my position, because I was involved in so many different things in my life, not just in, you know, um, chimney and landscaping business. But as we all know, to nauseam, I was in the fire department. Well, yes, I drove a big ladder truck and did all that. But there was other things that I did because I got hurt. And then I was on light duty. So I worked in the business part of the fire department where we did logistics and planning and scheduling and fire prevention. And I had to deal with budgeting of maintenance of vehicles and, and coordinating them to make sure we spend our money before the end of the year. Now, you know, governments run different than how we run a business, but 
it taught me a lot. And it really brought all the things that I learned in college, the business part of my degree, um, brought home of how you do budgeting and how you figure out what we used to call manpower level back then. Because there's things like people get sick, people take training, people have vacations. So a person is never really a whole person. They might only be 90% of an employee because 10% of the time they're off for one reason or another. So that means for every 10 employees, if that was the percentage, you need an 11th guy person to cover that position. And the fire department, they would overhire so they didn't have to pay overtime. You know, so those were all the kind of things that I've learned. Well, then that also got into a lot of politics that went on of how to acquire buildings and money and how to offset things. Uh, I dealt with the union on not only contract negotiation, but how do we get different benefits? So I dealt with benefit people. So, you know, and then it was into real estate, Um, you know. I flipped real estate. I'd buy houses, remodel them when we were slower. And, you know, in the wintertime when you're not plowing snow or cutting grass, you know, we'd get a house, fix it up and then flip it or hold it for a while and rent it. So I've been involved. I always thought that would have been, I never did it, but we always Mm -hmm. thought, talked about, hey, if we're slow enough, let's, let's group buy a house. I'll invest in it. I'll work on it. Flip it. We all make some money on it. So it's interesting that you did that. That's uh, I always thought that was an interesting idea. Well, let me ask you this: what um, what are some of the things? And you recently, you know, set your business up, and you recently sold your business. Mm-hmm. And let, let's move into well, one you got to build these systems you're talking about to have something to sell, right? You talked about giving you a plan foundationally to build it, but really you're going to have to build this at one point or another. You can do it now, or you can try to do it later at the end. Cause I've had people come to me and they're, you know, 65 and say, Hey man, I've been watching what you're doing. Can you show me how to do that? And I'm like, well, bud, I mean, yes, I can, but at 65, it's going to take a tremendous amount of of energy. It's going to take some years to get it all in place. And then for like building out, if they're a one truck and they want to sell, have a 10 truck, I'm like, man, you're going to have a lot of work. Is that the right thing? So clearly on building your business, the the end is coming, right? If, If anybody isn't planning for that, You're just very short-sighted. There is going to be a day you get out of this business, whether you plan it or life happens, you're getting out. So why not do the things now a little bit every day or every week that set it up so when that day comes, it's not a fire sale, or when that day comes, you get maximized. uh, uh, You know, that's for me, that my story was I thought I had a business to sell. In 2003, I fell off a roof. I got hurt. I said, man, I'm getting out of this business. In my $170,000 a year grossing business, I thought I could get $170,000 for it because I was so misinformed. And the most anybody would pay was about $10,000. And I learned the most valuable lesson ever. Luckily, when I was 35, not 55, Mm -hmm. and I had time to go, wow, I have messed this up. Let me start working. Well, I didn't have people like you or any to very much guidance at the time of how to do it. So therefore it took me forever to do it. But 
to your point, uh, to what you do, when you come into a company and you do this evaluation and then you say most everybody starts working on it, how long should somebody if, if say, I want to be retired in 10 years? Is that start now? I think it would probably be start now. But what are the, some of the things you need to do to get your business ready, a service business ready to sell? The best thing that you can do is have the mindset that you want to sell your business, even if you never want to sell your business. I agree with that 100 percent. If you build the systems, you have the right financial controls, you control and eliminate waste, and you have something that is easily to work, that, one, makes you profitable. What you do with that profitable profitability is totally up to you. You can reinvest it in the company. If you're somebody that doesn't believe in having a lot of money, donate it to Sweep Away Cancer. Um, do whatever you want to do with it. The point is, is you have to separate yourself mentally from your business and understand that a business. Now, obviously, there's IRS regulations and hopefully everybody is a corporation, either an LLC or an S Corp or a C Corp. Hopefully an S Corp is my preference. But the point is the business is viewed as its own person. It, 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 it's a sanctioned being, basically. So you have to look at it like that. So if you want this person, think of it as your child to live on or get married and move in with somebody else, which would be a sale, then what do you need to do? So if you set these things up, the first thing you'll notice is that it eliminates almost all of your pain and chaos. Mm -hmm. So you will have a happier life. Mm -hmm. The other thing you'll see that if you monitor these controls and you're priced correctly and you have a system where you don't have to make go-back trips to get measurements you should have gotten in the beginning, you become more profitable and you're not dealing with irate customers or you're not telling a customer, oh, now you want to chase cover that your husband insisted he didn't need? Well, we have to charge you to come back and do that to get that measurement. That That's a negative conversation. So there's things that you put in place. So once you get a bite of the apple and the customer's attention, you come in, it's game day for each each and every customer on each and every appointment, and you get everything you need to do. When you have those systems in place and you have somebody that shows you how to watch the numbers and you stay on them weekly, then you can course correct. Because one of the greatest things about being in a small business is we are not IBM. We are nimble. There is no reason that you could not have a price change on Monday morning. You you pick up the phone at quarter to eight and you tell all your CSRs, this is now our, our new pricing. And they yep. just start saying that. Right. Um, you can't do that at IBM. It's, a, it's, it's, it's too big of an operation. It takes longer to do things. So we need to maximize those efficiencies or availabilities that we have. Being small, and I, I'm, I'm not saying small as one or two trucks, even even Mark will readily admit compared to heating and air conditioning, he's tiny. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And and we all think of you as, you know, the king of chimneys in the in the great United States. But you know, when you compare no. yourself to uh who is it, Martin Miller or whatever in North Carolina or what and then your guy right here in Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, giant. Yeah. Yeah. 
we we should never think anybody in the chimney business is big. I mean, it's always like like what is rich, right? You know, when somebody says you're rich, well, what's rich? I mean, a guy I was talking to a, a employee, and I'm like, well, you know, what do you, what would you really like to do? He's like, well, I like to be rich, and then I like to do this and do that. I'm like, well, what's rich? Like, because at any level you think you're rich, there's levels so high above whatever level you are. And so we're all rich. Like we're all, if you're in the United States, you start off with, that's a good base level. And then, you know, and then, you know, I heard a guy say the other day, you know, rich was someone who, I think Nathan Henry sent me a a thing and he did, you know, what's rich, which was a person that has complete control of their time you know, that's, that's really actually rich. And so, um, you know, money, the amount of money I've learned as I've gone up through these levels that you you don't ever feel to me, I don't ever feel like I have arrived. I'm like, I'm always reaching for the next thing. And, you know, there's different, there's different good and bad about the next thing. But, you know, I think when you, in your mind, say this is enough, that's probably rich, right? That it, it, you yeah. know, as long as your stuff is carried, and and so when you're dealing with customers or clients, I guess that's a conversation you have to have: is what do you want? Because you know, each of us defines what success is. Success mm-hmm. is what you say it is. And so sometimes success is when you watch somebody, you're like, I want to be them. And I did that with, you know, Jim Brewer and some of my mentors, John Meredith, some of those guys are like, oh, yeah, I want to I want to have that. And uh, to me, that's helped as a guidepost. But um, so, you know, we're coming to the, about the end of our 30 minutes. Is there any big things? Well, I, I need to let's just talk real quickly before mm-hmm. we're over. What how would people contact you, you know, to engage your services? So the easiest way to get in touch with me is uh, email me. My email address is Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at Roydhouse, R-O-Y-D-H-O-U-S-E, effect, E-F-F-E-C-T dot com. Uh, they can call me. My phone number is 410-940-8896. Um, Say that one more time. I think we had a little glitch in the connection. Sure. The uh Email is Chuck at clean, or excuse me, Chuck at Royd. Yeah, habits are hard to break. Uh, Chuck at RoydhouseEffect.com, which is C H U C K R O Y D H O U S E, and then E F F E C T.com. Right. Um, my phone number is 410 940. 8896. And basically, we would just set up a conversation. It usually takes about 45 minutes to an hour. We find out, you know, what you think your situation is and whether I can help you or not, and whether I'm going to be a good fit for you and you're going to be a good fit for me. And then if you want to move forward, we'll schedule a time, you know, and I'll come out. Um, You know, the biggest thing that, you know, I guess I would leave you with is, you know, You've got to eliminate waste. You've got to have these systems. Waste is on the payroll. You've said that yourself. Um, I've read all kinds of studies of anywhere from 10 to 20%. So it seems like 15 is a reasonable average. (laughs) But to a technician, what is 15%? That doesn't mean anything, you know, And, and real quickly. So waste is basically comprised of three prime areas, and that's going to be incorrect labor calculation for how long it takes to do a job, not accounting for the number of trips back and forth to the job, or incorrect measurements, parts, or materials. 
and all of those eat into your profits. If that accounts for 15% as, you know, a monetary figure, that comes right off of the bottom line, which is the company profit or the owner profit. So to give you an example, if you, and I'll try to do this with simple numbers. So if you're a million dollar company and you're running at 10% profitability, that means you have to do, and you have 15% waste. That means you really need to do $1.5 million or a 50% increase in business just to cover your waste. Right. Why would anybody do that? I've always so, said Mr. Waste is uh, was, is one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid person on our payroll is Mr. Waste. He exactly. is, he so is this, hated. This, I want to reduce his, his, his salary. And, and the way to do that is by having standard business protocols or practices that we all know and follow, and then somebody watching to make sure that that's being done. You know, so I would ask you this. A lot of people say, well, how much do you charge? Well, it really doesn't matter what I charge. You know, if you're a service company owner and, you know, again, we're great technicians. We don't understand the nuances of all these financial levers. Um, you know, I'd tell you to get help. You know, would you pay somebody $25,000 a year if they could save you $150,000? Exactly. Yes, I mean, absolutely. I, I would think so. So you would think of somebody that would do this business analysis or coaching or guiding or whatever you want to call it as an investment, just like anything else you would buy. It would be like buying a brand new van because the cost of the maintenance and the time of the truck off the road and the lost sales percentage has outweighed what a new vehicle payment would cost. Yeah, I've always said that hiring the right people, the hiring the right consultants is free. If you mm-hmm. if you if they have good information and you implement it, they don't cost you anything. And, exactly. and to your point, all your value is in a couple of things. One, reduce waste. You can easily show them things that will save 10 times more money than you cost to show them to it. But if look at the other side. If you never engage your kind of services or never put in place your kind of information, what does it cost you over five years, 10 years, the lifetime of the business? It's millions of dollars because you didn't implement something soon. Because so, you know, whenever I've hired high level people, it really isn't that it, it, early on. I learned that like when I hired spark marketer, when I hired a couple of my CFOs mm-hmm. they're like, look, I'm going to show you how I'm going to save you more money than I will ever cost. And so at that point, if they can do that on any level, that is free and it moved my business to the next step. So, you know, anybody's out there and you don't have consultants like Chuck and you need somebody you have to get these kind of people in your business if you want to scale it and also have less chaos. If I hadn't put these play, these things in place for my business, I couldn't ever take these long trips. I couldn't have ever and enjoyed them. I couldn't have ever, you know, scaled to other businesses without learning these principles that Chuck's talking about here. So let's leave with this. You, in your notes, you said there are there is some good news out there. So sure. let, let's end with what you were talking about in your notes about the show. Uh, what good news are you seeing out there? Well, the good news is if you understand what's coming, you know, it's like there's a hurricane and we're getting, you know, a six month warning. 
so we can plan, we can batten down the hatches. Mm-hmm. So again, because we are able to move quick because we are our own boss and we have a smaller operation, we can do the course correction. Um, we can, you know, correct our prices to communicate value, which will turn into profit, you know, and then we look into controlling costs, you know, about what what is your supply inventory, you know, I tell people all the time, only keep what you need, you know, um, sell off any excess inventory. You know, again, I can't drive home the waste enough just because of your own words, it's one of the highest paid guys on the payroll. Yeah. Just by doing that one thing, if you did nothing else, let's just say your waste was low, it was 10%. Again, at a million dollars, that's a hundred grand. And that goes right to the bottom line. So what a hundred grand to the bottom line, because I know we throw around these words, know your numbers, but nobody ever tells you what the numbers are or puts it in a in layman's terms. A hundred thousand dollars at the bottom line means that when all accounts are settled at the end of the year and the owner's been paid his salary and there's money left over, he's gonna have a hundred extra thousand dollars. He could take fifty of it, put it in his own investment system. Or he could reinvest it in the business. You know, he could do anything he wants. But if just by controlling waste, you have another hundred grand, that could buy you two new trucks if you needed trucks, if that's what you thought was important. Yeah. You know, it it's just gives you the vehicle to make good, informed decisions. You know, and real quick, wrapping up, you asked what should somebody do if they're looking to get out one way or the other, retire, sell, um, If you plan all these things, again, what if you do get hurt three years from now? It's going to be easy for somebody to continue to run your business while you're recuperating. Or if you can't come back, it would be something to be able to at least try to turn key to somebody or be easy for a competitor to come in and say, you know what? There's a lot of symmetry in what you do here. I can gobble you up and maybe you won't be screwed over is bad. You know, it won't be a fire sale. You know, so the good news is it's in your hands as a business owner, but you better do something about and, it. And you've been warned. So we do <laughs> have some time because yeah. the real pain is going to come after the first year, which is going to coincide in the chimney industry of when we start typically to slow down in most areas um, due to, you know, the Christmas bills and due to, you know, most areas have poorer weather. Yeah, so that's agree. why we need to act now. Yeah, we that that again, if we're wrong, fantastic. We prepared for it. But yeah. it does feel like to us, too, that the real uh, the real weight of what's been happening in the last couple of years might come home to roost right after the first year again. If we're wrong, great, you prepared for it. But mm-hmm. if we're right, great, you prepared for it. The people who are going to be out in the storm are the ones who just tried to and quick story. This is what I did in 2008. I thought it's just going to get better. I'm not going to change anything. I'm just going to weather this storm because I always have. Now, a lot of service businesses can weather the storm and they just stay in the storm. You know, it's the buffalo and the cow, which is what your Mm -hmm. business is, uh, is built on. They face the weather, face the storm, go into it knowing here it is let's get let's prepare it guys if you're out there listening to this podcast and you're not prepared and you know you're not and you're watching your bank account shrink and you're wondering what the hell's happening 
this is a perfect warning that you need to get help. Chuck is a great, he understands your business and he can come in and, uh, and help you get ready for that. And if the storm never comes, no problem. You're stronger for it. And uh, like I said, I've never, I've never spent a dime on consultants that were good or mentors that were good. They were all free. They all helped me go to the next level and pay for themselves 10 times over. So Chuck, I, I so much appreciate you being on the podcast this week. Uh, you have any final words for anyone? It, the only thing I would tell you is this, if you don't believe what, I'm saying, or you don't believe what Mark's saying, um, one of the people that I follow religiously, and you can Google him, is a, is a gentleman named Ray Dalio. Uh, he's the founder of Bridgewater, which is the largest hedge fund in the world. And on September 23rd, he said, we are seeing the early signs of a long recession. We are near 0% growth, and the pain will continue for the next few years until the inflation is behind us. You know, so basically he's saying the storm is coming. It's going to start after the first of the year. Um, but by the same token, um, so Bridgewater is a hedge fund that basically what hedge funds do is they figure out how you don't lose money. So they've beat the bear market so far this year by delivering a 30 32% return to their investors. That's why I follow Ray Dat, one of the reasons. Well, and, and not only that, Ray Dalio, if you read his book, it's, it's amazing because he's one of the only guys that actually is very accurate over a long period of time. There's yeah. a lot of guys that get accurate over short periods of time, three to five years. Ray Dalio has been accurate for like 30 years. This guy, if he's telling you something's coming, coming he's probably the most, most has the most expertise in the world besides like Warren Buffett and just a few others that really understand markets like no mm-hmm. other so if he's saying it you know he's probably you need to you need to look at what he's doing i follow him he's actually on tiktok too he he got on tiktok and he has these little snippets all the time and i listen to ray's stuff almost every day so yeah. well chuck thank you so much for being on the show this week Again, it's it's the Roy. Is it the Royd House Effect or RoydHouseEffect.com? Yes, just RoydHouseEffect.com. Yeah. Well, reach out to Chuck if you need help. And Chuck, uh, appreciate you. I'm going to close out the show. So thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. And then they can check out my websites. I have lots of articles on there that I've written about, you know, business and sales and, you know, what how to do pricing and all the different services. So. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, that's the that's the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Lots of good information. Uh, I highly recommend you take people up on their information and do something about it. Because if if you don't do anything with it, it's just it goes in one ear out the other. The key to growth and the key to changing your business is action and take action. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, wish me luck on my motorcycle ride, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.